Welcome back into the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. I'm your host, Ross, based in HealthWise New Zealand. And this is the podcast where we encourage the conversation around wellness and resilience. We have two special guests joining us today to talk about eating disorders. This podcast does contain some themes which may be challenging for some people. So please make sure that you use the EAP programs that we have here, uh, your therapist, counselors, or reach out to your doctor if you find that this episode is challenging for you. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome back into the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. This is episode six, and we have another exciting episode for you guys today. Joining me in the booth again is Anna, all the way from HealthWise Americas. Welcome in, Anna. Hey, Ross. Thanks for having me again. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you back on. And do you want to introduce our special guests for today? Oh, yeah, 100%. We've got some awesome people lined up for the session today um, chatting about eating disorders. From Toronto, we've got Adriana and Julie. Adriana, can you uh, maybe just give us a little bit of your flight center history, a little bit about yourself, and then we have her. Yeah. Um, so I joined Flight Center eight years ago, but I've worked in the travel industry now for almost 15 years. Yeah, I, I live in Toronto. I, I, I love the city that I live in, and I'm, I'm glad I guess to also work here, too. Awesome. You're part of Corporate Traveler, right? Yep. Corporate Traveler, Stage and Screen. Awesome. And then we've got Amy Kittleson all the way from Calgary, Alberta, and Amy's also with Corporate. Amy, how long have you been with us? And give us a little bit about you. Yeah, I started with Corporate Traveler in um, 2016, and I actually started uh, out in BC, uh, the Vancouver area, um, and then I moved back here and was welcomed by the team uh, here in Calgary. Awesome. Great. A couple of legends joining us today. Uh, we'd like to start these podcasts with a theme we call HealthWise Speed Dating, just to get to know you both a bit better. So a couple of questions for you. Uh, so the first question is for you, Adriana. If you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? I mean, I feel like the obvious answer would be like something like world hunger. Um, but I would say uh, birds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Amy, this next question is for you. If you could choose to remain an age forever, what would you choose and why? I would have to say 39, and I haven't hit that age yet, but I feel like it's going to be a good one. <laughs> nice. Nice one. This next question is for you, Adriana. Uh, if you could change your name for a day, what would it be? I don't know. I really like the name Valerie. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. And this last question for you, Amy, what invention would you most like to see in your lifetime? A kindness generator. How good. Yeah. Answer. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for playing Healthwise Speed Dating. We'll crack on to our topic today. Um, so the first question is, what do you wish people knew about eating disorders? Adriana, do you want to kick us off with some things that you wish people knew? I think one thing that people assume is that it's just, you know, binging, purging and you know, starving yourself, but it's actually super complex. Um, and there isn't really a cure. I think it's something that people deal with every single day. I know I do. And it's also often paired with other mental illnesses like OCD, depression, um, anxiety. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Amy, how about you? What were some of the things that you wish people knew? Similar to what Andrew, Adriana is saying. And then to kind of add on that, it's, it's really not typically about necessarily weight or even food. Okay. Thanks for that, Amy. 
I'll start with you, Amy. Was there anything specific maybe that made you go ask for help or see your doctor? Anything that kind of led to a diagnosis? Like, was there a specific event or was it just over a long period of time, you know, something happened? Uh, yeah, there was, there was kind of a specific event, I guess. My mom found a um, kind of a diet journal that I had started um, and she really pushed. She was like, this isn't nearly enough to sustain you. Uh, why are you doing this? And just realized that it wasn't just kind of like teen dieting that I was, that I was doing. And so she made sure that I went and uh, saw a doctor and a psychiatrist and a psychologist and dietitian. Okay. And Adriana, was there any like specific event that happened to you that maybe led you to get a diagnosis or, you know, maybe it was your family that helped out as well? Well, I, I thought I was doing a really good job at hiding it for a very long time. I was in high school and um, one of my guidance counselors actually, I was spending a lot of time with her just trying to figure out what universities I wanted to go to. And she started to notice things in my habits and, and, you know, I started to look very different. And so she sort of approached me. And at the time I didn't think it was a problem. I just thought that, you know, I'm trying to, I thought it was like watching my figure and really it was so much worse than that. And she helped me identify that it was a problem. And she kind of forced me to tell my family um, so that I could get help. But if it wasn't for her, I don't know. Because I didn't think that there was anything that I was doing that was wrong. Yeah. Is it like a denial thing almost? Well, I think because what I, the, the things that I was doing, I was getting immediate results, which is what I wanted. But it wasn't, there were other things going on with my health that were not, that I was sort of ignoring. Because it's like, okay, yes, you know, I'm losing my hair, but I'm still very skinny. And okay, yes, I'm very tired, but, you know, at least I didn't and I slept instead of ate a meal. So I was, there was definitely a lot of denial there, but when I started to realize that those were symptoms of the, my actions, then I was like, I need to figure this out. And how long did you um, perhaps struggle with Adrian? You mentioned you're, you're in high school. How, how long did that go on before the counselor mentioned you should see somebody or how long did that go for? Yeah, it was about two years okay. before I, I got help. And then it was just a constant um, struggle. I, you know, I, I still like seek treatment for it today, but it's definitely, I have more of a handle on it than I did then when I was very at an impressionable age, I guess. How about you, Amy? How long was it that you struggled with before you um, sought help? Uh, for me, it was probably only a couple of months till my parents, yeah, started to recognize those um, habits, but it ended up lasting probably seven plus years. Um, even with getting the help, my parents kind of helping, like fighting for me because I wasn't really taking part in um, any of the any of the therapy. Um, so it probably lasted about seven years after that. Amy, do you know what causes an eating disorder? Like, is it genetic? Is it you know just teenage pressures? It, it sounds like both of you guys were kind of in your your teens when things started. Or is it like a science question for a doctor? I would say that's a question for a doctor. If I were to answer, I don't think there is a cause. You know, I think some things that can kind of very, can kind of help lead down that path for somebody is possibly a trauma, um, really low self-esteem, uh, the need to feel 
control, being a perfectionist, um, being hypersensitive around appearances. Um, I think those, yeah, if you, if you have all of those things, I think you've, you've created the perfect storm for it, but I don't think there is personally like a cause. Um, genetics can definitely play a role in it too. Um, Adriana, you mentioned other mental illnesses going hand in hand in it. Um, I think depression can yeah, really play a big one. OCD, again, for the control and the low self-esteem. Adriana, would you agree? Like, there's not really a specific cause that at least that you know of, or no one's told you, oh, this, this happened because of this? Yeah, I think I think eating disorders disorders is sort of like a, a biopsychosocial type of disease. Like, it could be genetic, um, like especially the other mental illnesses that go along with it. Um, but also just, I think for me, it was mostly you know, my peers, I grew up in the time where, you know, Kate Moss was the ideal body to have, like sort of heroin chic. And so I think that had a huge um, impact on me growing up. So yeah, I think it just depends on the person. And there are definitely things that can cause you to get to that uh, certain traumas that happen in your life. But not necessarily things like teasing, you know, kids are pretty rotten and stuff like that. Would that totally maybe play? Definitely. Yeah. At least for me, that definitely was something that impacted me. Interesting that you, you mentioned, uh, I, I guess, like those, um, I, I guess, celebrity icons like Kate Moss and stuff like that. How do you think social media nowadays is, is impacting uh, perhaps, I guess, eating disorders and things like that with, um, you know, all the access that people have to the highlights of you know people's lives and things like that? I mean, for me, I sort of have my social media channels curated to what I know is, is something, things that I want to see that will benefit me and not make me feel bad about myself. But they're definitely, but just because there's just so much access and there's so many different apps that people post on, it can be bad, but also really good. I feel like we do also live in a world where people are feeling more open and accepting of others. And, but also on the other hand, like that sort of, this is what somebody's life looks like and realizing that that's just not reality. So it could, it could be, both bad and good during this time. But I know that if TikTok and Instagram existed when I was going through my stuff, I would have probably made things a lot worse for me. What are your thoughts around that, Amy? Do you, do you think it would make it harder as well if it, with, with the yeah. social media? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I think I do feel for like the teens these days with all the different filters, the, yeah, it's just, you're bombarded with it now. Whereas before it was like, oh, am I going to be able to get that 17 magazine off the shelf? Do I have the money? Now it's just like so accessible. And then, yeah, again, with, with the filters and not having any sort of idea of realistic expectations of what people actually look like. On the other hand, I do think, like we've said, there are those channels that do help highlight that and show the other side of it and call out the kind of the dysfunction of that. Um, so I think, yeah, going to, you know, picking your channels and, and what's curated, I think it's, that's a very healthy step for having content that's going to benefit you rather than cause you more harm. For sure. And what about, I guess, kind of goes along with that, like the, the highlight of things like diet culture and stuff, but what are your thoughts around diet culture? I think it's like, it I think it really depends on the why you're doing it. I, I think if you're doing it for the reasons of, you know, your doctor is telling you that you need to do 
eat a certain way or exercise a certain way to prevent further health issues, I think that's okay. But I think why you're dieting is really important because some of it can be considered disordered eating. I think, you know, there was a bunch of me and my friends, we did the keto diet a few years ago and it wasn't, didn't realize to me that I probably wasn't in the right frame of mind to be doing something like that because it was something that showed results right away. So yeah, I think depending on what the reason is for it, it could be beneficial or it could harm you further. What are your thoughts, Amy? Yeah, I actually thought a lot about this one. And I think kind of what I came up with was very similar, but if it, if it really veers from the path of what your body needs to, you know, to nurture and uh, with nutrition, if it's veering really far from that and not providing yeah, what your body needs, I think it is disordered eating or an eating disorder, you know, and that again can look so different because sometimes, sometimes the eating disorder is overeating or just very strange controlling eating patterns or habits. And so to go onto a diet that's, you know, in a more healthy um, outlook on it, then, then I don't think it's a bad, bad thing, but I think, yeah, disordered eating is probably my, my favorite term for it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's an interesting point you made there as well. Is that uh, eating disorders is, is, is not just under eating. There is yeah. there is also the other side of which is overeating and the binging disorder as well. Amy, what's the best thing that somebody maybe did or said, or maybe the best piece of advice you've maybe received um, that made a positive difference, whether it was like during your struggle, during your journey, or afterwards, somewhere along the way. I think the best thing um, was definitely my family just they never gave up um you know i was at the point where i was just like denying it they took me to many therapists and they you know i was i was really good at it in the way that i convinced them that there was nothing wrong and they even went to my parents and like there's nothing wrong with her they would be like there's something very much wrong <laughs> so i think them just never giving up and, and helping me fight that fight and then my mother actually said something, and I, I spoke about this before. She said, if I had diabetes, I would take insulin. And then it, it really helped my brain process that it, it was a disease that I had. And, you know, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but it also needed to be treated like a disease does. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Just, yeah, to change your perspective, eh? So that you'd be open to whether it's medication or therapy or, or whatever it is to, to help. Yeah. Um, what about you, Adriana? What's the best thing someone did or said or advice you received that was helpful? Yeah, I think my my guidance counselor acknowledging or realizing that there was something wrong and doing something about it, I will be forever grateful for her for doing that because I, I, at the time, I guess the people that I was surrounding myself with were also like encouraging me um, and just saying, oh, you look great. You look amazing. But not acknowledging that I was failing in the rest of my life. And also the birth of my niece sort of changed my perspective on things because I felt like I realized all of the, the pain that I went through during that time in my life. I could not imagine another human being, let alone like my baby niece go through that. And so when she was born, I sort of decided that, okay, I need to get this in order. I need to get this under control because I want to be that positive role model to her. And I would never want her to, to go through that. And so I, you know, now she's, she's 13 years old and I always 
remind her that she's she's a beautiful girl, but that she's also smart and she's funny and she's talented. And there's just so much more to you being a good person than what you look like. I think if you lead with kindness, then you, you can be beautiful inside and out and that your, yeah, your physical appearance is just not, doesn't define who you are at all. Yeah. Adriana, how do you control it? You said, you know, get things under control for your niece and stuff, but do you have um, coping techniques or things that you do on the regular, or is it just gone and you never think about it again? Honestly, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. My therapist is incredible and she really helps me just get through it and come up with coping strategies and techniques. So I just, again, it's been a lot of work. It's been almost a 17 year journey, but I've now I come to a place where I'm just very comfortable in who I am and, and how I look and how I present myself to the world. So yeah, I, therapy really has helped me. And also there's a, a resource uh, center in Toronto that I frequent all the time called Sheena's Place. They have amazing resources and I just go in for drop-ins and they have like a summer camp for people. And it's just nice to be around people who have experienced the same things that you did yeah. and, and just realize that you're survivors and that this is something that you have to work towards every single day. What about you, Amy? Do you have coping techniques that help you or are you, I don't know if you can be cured or if it's like an ongoing thing that we always just, you know, we try and manage our physical health. We always have to manage our mental health. Like it's just something we do, right? For yeah. yeah, I definitely, um, you know, that's kind of the first thing if I'm really stressed or if I'm, you know, something is going on in my life, that's definitely something that I just kind of fall into where I just, I don't have an appetite. So it's maybe not actively choosing to restrict my food, but it just happens and, and it can be kind of a dangerous slope because once you start a bit, um, the brain isn't producing enough things that it needs to produce to have healthy thoughts and you just kind of fall deeper into it. So I've got a great support system that will help me recognize it, maybe point it out and, you know, don't let this go too far sort of thing. And then just, yeah, I mean, some therapy, um, mental maintenance, I like to call it, where you just kind of check in, see where you're at, and then kind of reassess the situation and, and move forward, knowing what, you know, just a lot of self-talk, I guess you could say, really talking yeah. through it with myself and being rational, logical, those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Around that um, mental maintenance that you mentioned, Amy, like, what sort of techniques do you have to, I guess, have that self-awareness? Like, how did you learn to do that? I think through therapy, just identifying what voices within your head and they kind of have different narratives. Some of them are much kinder. Some of them are really mean and just kind of identifying those thought processes and trying not to spiral down any certain one, uh, whether it's like really negative or thinking that I know what people are thinking about me, you know, so really just recognizing those different thought patterns and what's healthy ones and what's not through therapy. They've kind of had, yeah, helped me with that. 
awesome. That's really great advice because you know, often we're our harshest critics too, right? Like we need to talk to ourselves and be kind to ourselves because often, you know, you wouldn't talk to a good friend like that. So what, why don't we talk to ourselves like that sometimes? It's, it's great advice. And Adriana, a bit of a question around, I guess, how you found like a therapy, found a therapist that was specialized in eating disorder. We talked a bit about um, how to find therapists with Dave and Ben on another podcast, but how, how do you find one that's specific for eating disorders? Yeah, so through the resource center, um, Sheeta's place, they put me together, uh, they put me in touch with a nutritionist. And just to sort of ease my way into feeling comfortable around food. And then from there, uh, they they also recommended that I, I seek therapy as well for it. And I've just been with her for so long. And she's she's sort of been part of my journey for like eight years now. And it's, it's great. And also just to add, like, I also think it's really important that if you are seeking help for something is to let the people around you know so that they can also look out for behaviors that might be putting you back a little bit. And I have to say, I, my friends and family will point out things if they notice, like, why didn't you, you know, eat the bread or, you know, why didn't you do this? So I also think that's super important is to, if you feel comfortable enough is to let the people around you know what you're going through so that they can help you get to where you need to be. Adriana, are there triggers? Like, I know Amy was saying, you know, if it's stressful or, you know, things like that, would there be just ongoing triggers that you just have to really, you know, ground yourselves, be aware of what's going on so you don't slip? Yeah. Or are you guys beyond that point or can it come at any time? I still have some triggers, definitely, but I, I, they don't trigger, I guess they don't trigger me as much as they would have years ago. I come from a very large Italian family where our entire lives circle around food. Yeah. So I was in Italy this past summer and, you know, constantly at different people's homes and restaurants eating. So I, I knew that that was going to be a trigger for me, but I just, I just, you know, said no to things I didn't want to have and said yes to things that I did want to have. And it ended up being, I enjoyed myself more, but I was definitely really concerned before the trip just because family can put a lot of pressure on, on you. And uh, I guess thinking about uh, advice for people at home that perhaps have struggled with for themselves or maybe they have children or family members that are struggling with what would you say are some of i guess of your top tips for advice on, on what people should do adriana do you want to start us off yeah i think just be understanding be patient this isn't something that can be cured by taking a magic pill but also understand like take the time to to educate yourself on what an eating disorder is it's just so much more complex than eating or not eating yeah and and just try to look out for those signs and and take action where you can and be open and honest and and i, I also think that i also recommend people who have family members or loved ones with eating disorders to seek therapy themselves so that they can learn um, how their actions may impact their loved one that's great advice and how about you amy what are your top tips my top tip is to reach out to somebody that you trust and that might be able to help you because yeah it can feel very can feel very alone even even when you do have the support but also recognizing yeah learning educating yourself on what it is that one i find a little bit tricky just because i had read a lot of books because my mom was educating herself on it so much that it almost turned into like a how-to guide um so you need to be i think definitely in the right frame of mind 
when, you know, educating yourself, but then when you're doing, you know, a lot of research on it, I think you've got to be doing it for the right reasons if you really do want to get that help and that it is a very long process. It's not going to be something that you can, can change overnight, but really identifying again, what is causing like the underlying cause of it? You know, is it, is it a bit more depression? Is it more about control? Your, your what's and why's. Cause I think it's different for, for everybody. That's true. If somebody, you know, maybe identifies with something that you guys have said, you know, Oh, I, I noticed that I am controlling, you know, because it makes me feel better about different things. Is that maybe a sign or, or something that maybe, I, I don't know, like if you've not, if you don't know if you have an eating disorder, like how would you, I guess, you know, Adriana talked about some symptoms like the hair and, and things like that. But Amy, I'm, I see what you're saying with the control. Like I can feel like people can identify with that and you need to control whether it's food or this aspect of your life how would you know if it's a problem or if it's, I guess, manageable? Or, I mean, in your guys' case, someone else pointed it out to you. But as like, I don't know, just me, is there something that you could give advice on? Okay, if you do this and this, maybe you should talk to somebody or should we all just maybe talk to somebody because we all probably have something anyway, right? I think everybody should talk to somebody. I think if it's interrupting your day-to-day, if it's interrupting your relationships with people, if it's, you know, not making you feel good, that could be questionable because you know, yeah. you think it's making you feel good. But I think if it's interrupting your, your, your well-being and your, your regular life and your relationships, then I think it's, whether it's an eating disorder or disordered eating, I think it should be addressed. That's great advice. Okay. That makes my rambling much more sense. Thank you for understanding what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Adriana. Uh, Amy, you've been fantastic guests. So thank you for jumping on the Encouraging the Conversation podcast today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. And Anna, you've been a great host as always. Thank you for jumping on. Always a pleasure, Ross. There you have it, guys. That was episode six of the Encouraging the Conversation podcast. If this podcast made you think, if you learned something, please feel free to share this with your colleagues. Give us a rating. That always helps us out. And we'll catch you in the next one. Mm -hmm.